Aloha, everything. Ian's wedding is in 48 hours, so I am recording this podcast alone from my hotel room in Honolulu, Hawaii. Don't be jealous, though. It's miserable here. Just kidding. It's amazing. Almost as amazing as the Blues' victory over the Predators today. I just had to record a quick podcast to react and talk about how this one game in March dictates the entire future of this hockey team. There's a loud air conditioner in the background, which explains my freezing cold takes. So let's get started, and let's go Blues! Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Two Guys One Cup podcast. This is the third time I've recorded this intro because I keep forgetting that it is Saturday, March 12th, and it is roughly noon here, local time in Hawaii, where I have journeyed for Ian's wedding. Ian still isn't here, but he he promises us he's coming. Uh, No, of course, he's getting ready for the big day, and we're all very excited for him. Uh, So I wanted to record a a quick podcast today. I might not have done this, except today's game was pretty insane. And so I thought I'd talk a little bit about it and a few other news and rumors in the uh, old rumor mill there as the trade deadline uh, sits about two weeks away, a little less than that. So um, I'm sure we will uh, talk about Hawaii and the wedding and everything else when we can reconvene in St. Louis either next week or the week following. But for the time being, you'll have to take just me and make your best with that. And I will check the podcast uh, statistics and know that you all dropped off seconds after I explained that. But in any case, we'll go on. Um, the Blues today beat the Predators 7-4. to It was an incredible game of back and forth. Uh, one of those games that could have turned out very badly for the Blues, who went up 3 to nothing in the first period, allowed a uh, brutal uh, goal at the end of the first to give the Predators some life back, um, and then um, allowed them to tie it, but then Tory Krug scored, uh, but then Matt Duchesne scored immediately after that, and it was 4-4 heading into the third period, got late into the third period when Robert Thomas scored his second goal of the game and his fourth goal in the last two games uh, after a, just an insane toe drag by Jordan Cairo. Um, to give the Blues a lead that would end up becoming a uh, 7-4 victory after two empty net goals from Perron and Thomas. Thomas had an assist on the Falk goal. He currently sits at 48 points with 12 goals and 36 assists. Cairo is uh, also sitting at 36 assists. He has, let me look it up here real quickly, um, I'll find out. I think it's like 18 goals. Maybe it's a little over 20 now. Um, But it's a ridiculous result for this team. He has 22 goals. Wow, I am behind the times. Um, So he leads the team with 58 points by a a wide margin over Tarasenko. But now Thomas is uh, sneaking up behind with 12 goals and 36 assists. He, uh, We'll talk about both of them in a minute. But what a game for the Blues. Um, Really one that, like I said, could have gotten away, could have gone really badly. um, But did not because they pulled it out late in the end. They stayed tough. They played a good game. Huso made some big saves. Um, there's, I've had some debates on Twitter because I tweeted out that he's returned to earth a little bit today. Or, and 
I stand by that. I think he's had a 2.0 goals against average most of the season or lower than that, and he's allowed three-plus goals in six of his last seven games. That isn't to say that he's terrible or that he's not even the hotter hand on our team right now. It's just a reality that we get so entrenched in these goalie fights and these goalie debates, and we forget how temporary everything is for goalies. I mean, Igor Shesterkin has had a, a remarkable season, and he's probably – you know, going to be the Vesna. He's almost certainly going to be the Vesna Trophy winner. He's in the conversation for the Hart Trophy, and that is still a goalie who you know gave up four goals to the Blues the other night. Um, even the very best goalies in the game have bad games. I think Shusterkin let in four or five the night before that. So, like, it's my only point is to say that the position is ridiculously unpredictable and. Um, you know, hard to anticipate. And I think the blues would be blues fans would be wise to remember that as we talk about who's so, you know, like he's the second coming or, or talk about Bennington, like his career is over. Not that everyone does that, or even most people do that, but um, that attitude certainly exists out there and I don't think it's very productive. So uh, let's talk about the big thing that I think we have to talk about after this game. And um, I've joked a little bit in the intro that, I thought that the uh, this game redefined the future for the Blues, and of course it doesn't because this isn't really breaking news. But um, Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas are the centerpieces of this team now. There's no question that these guys are our first and second most important player. I think you could argue a little bit about which is which, but I don't think it really matters. Um, they are extraordinary. They are both so, so young and still have so, so much room to improve. They're both going to have easily 60 points by the end of the season, possibly 70 um, for players that are 20, I believe 22 and 23 respectively. Let me look those up as I talk here, but just, just absurd results for these two guys. And, And we've known for a long time, they were our top prospects. We expected big things for them. Um, but uh, they've turned it up a notch this this year behind beyond even what I expected, and um, you know I think I think it just goes to show how high the ceiling is for them. I think the the league is sleeping on them as one of the best young duos anywhere in the league. You know, you talk about obviously there's the elite elite tier, the McDavid Drysidles, Matthews Barner, and whoever else, but when you're talking about the tier right below that, there aren't many I'd rather have than these two guys. And I don't think that's homerism or, or you know, overhyping them. I just think they're that good. Robert Thomas, who we've accused of not shooting the puck all season, now suddenly has four goals in his last two games. He could mess around here and have a 20-goal season if he has another, you know, two-goal game or two, then he's right on pace for it. Um, he has uh, just been really sensational and I think if he if he has a shot like that that one he um released on the first on the first goal the uh snipe that was barred down on the power play um if that's a shot he can find consistently and um really hammer home and and start to make those kinds of snipes, not even on a routine basis, but just 
just to have that in his arsenal, that's going to unlock, I mean, just another tier of player for him because, you know, there can be playmakers in this league who score three times as many assists as they do goals, and there's absolutely no problem with that. Nick Westbackstrom has been one of the best centers in the league for a long time doing that. Um, obviously, part of that is playing with Alex Ovechkin, but, um, you know, Backstrom still would get 15 to 20 goals a season, and I think that's the range Thomas has to be in. But if he can be in that range, and, it, you know, I think he's showing right now that he absolutely can be, then he can genuinely be one of the best centers in this league. Um, I don't have any question about that. The skating's there, the playmaking and the vision and the passing is off the charts. Uh, and he's, he's just sensational. And then Cairo, I mean, what can you say about the speed and skill and, and vision that he has? It's just off the charts. And um, that toe drag move that he made to set up the goal from Thomas at the end of the game was just uh, just ridiculous. And everybody in the arena thought he was going to shoot, which gave Thomas basically a tap-in empty netter on the backside. Um it was filthy. It was disgusting. And um, to me, it was, you know, if those guys hadn't had a, a coming out moment yet, which I think Kyrie certainly did at the Winter Classic, then that was kind of their combined, this game that they sort of took over and won for us was their combined coming of age moment in the NHL. And I think the Blues now have a, an interesting situation because when you look at their Salary cap and their contract status, both of those guys signed um, really affordable two-year, $2.8 million deals. Um, They're both up after next season. And I think the Blues have kind of a contract cliff that they have to be really wary of after next season um, because Ryan O'Reilly's also up. Tarasenko's also up. I I think there's no question now that we're going to see Vladimir Tarasenko traded for reasons I'll discuss in a minute. Um, but when you talk about those three guys in particular, Thomas, Kyrou, and O'Reilly, in my opinion, those are your core. Those are the three guys that absolutely you build around. I know O'Reilly's obviously older, and you don't think of him as like a young veteran, but look at what Joe Pavelski's doing. He just got an extension in, in Dallas this season. You know, Ryan O'Reilly is that kind of player where his game's going to age very gracefully. He doesn't need a lot of speed. He's never had elite speed or skating, um, but he just is always in the right position, always playing the puck well, has, you know, unbelievable stick control and everything else. I think you look at whatever it's going to take to sign those three guys. You try to figure that out as quickly as humanly possible. Um, And then you just go from there and whatever other decisions you have to make to make sure that those three guys are here and you can build around them, those are the decisions that you make. If that means, you know, I love David Perron, I want to see him stay, but if that means letting him walk and get a better deal elsewhere, unless he wants to stay for really cheap in a way that you can afford, you're going to have to let him walk. If it means trading Tarasenko, I think you have to trade Tarasenko. I don't think you can possibly afford to resign him now. And additionally, he wants out, so you might as well get some assets for him and try to get cheap assets that aren't going to clog up your system for a long time. The defense is a mess, and we'll talk about that more in a minute. It wasn't especially good today. Um, but, you know, if obviously Scandella will fall off by, um, 
I guess the year following their extensions being due. Um, but if you can get rid of him before then, you absolutely have to. I think that will be one of Armstrong's big priorities in the coming, you know, either before the trade deadline or at the very least before next season is to find a team that will um, rid you of that contract. Uh, Arizona probably one option there. But um, and then even with the big three on defense, I don't know how you can trade any of those guys on the contracts that they're on, but if if you can, uh, if you can find a way to get one of those guys out, because look, it's just not good enough. The results aren't good enough. I think Falk and Krug have been pretty decent this season, personally. You know, there's another time when we have more time, we'll talk about that more extensively, but I don't think there can be a lot of finger pointing at them. Um, I think there can be a lot at Colton Pareko, who hasn't been very good all season. And uh, really, you should be pretty worried about him after the contract he signed. But um, if you can get any of those guys moved to save cap space, um, if if you think it's a threat to the um, to the you know to the big three guys that we're talking about, if you don't think there's any problem fitting them all together, then keep the defense and try to improve it. Um, but I think those three guys are your priority and whatever you have to do, you have to do to keep them and not lose another captain. And certainly, you know, not that we could lose either of the younger guys cause we have them controlled, but making sure that you can fit them in at a number that makes sense. And that, um, you know, really makes makes it work out for both the team and the players because you want them to be here and playing together for a really long time. So that's kind of my big takeaway from today's game on the defensive side. um, It's interesting. There's, there's not much you can do to fix the defense in my opinion without, you know, I to personally, I'm not convinced that adding anyone will fix the defensive problems because you're not going to, you know, you're not going to go get Victor Hedman or Alex Petrangelo back or, you know, name whatever elite left-handed defenseman you want to name. I know those guys weren't lefties, but you, you know what I mean? Um, I think, I think you're in a situation where adding is going to be tricky without cutting costs and I mean, you know, Scandella is one cost that you obviously have to cut if you're going to add any defenseman. But even if you add a guy like Chikrin, who's relatively cheap, that's still, um, you know, you're tying up now $23 million in your top four, which is a lot if you're not going to have any better results than we've had. Um, And I think we don't right now. So with all of that said, um, Elliot Friedman reporting that Ivan Provorov in the uh, Philadelphia Flyers organization is possibly unhappy and that the team is possibly unhappy with him and that their extension of, <laughs> of Rasmus Ristolainen, which is uh, something that I wish Ian was here to talk about with me because that's just so laughably stupid. And um, Chuck Fletcher is so, so bad at his job. But uh, Friedman suggested that that extension maybe signaled that they were going to restructure their defense uh, which could include moving on from Provorov himself. Um, that's a guy, you know, if you are intent on adding to your left side and if you really don't care about the cost, and I know this goes in the face of a lot of what I just said, but I'm just trying to play 
both sides of the coin here because believe it or not, I'm not actually the St. Louis Blues general manager, manager, and I don't necessarily know what Doug Armstrong is thinking. But if you think you have to add a lefty to your top four um, to even things out and try and, and make things work, I personally would be all in on Provorov over anything else. I think he's got the potential to be a truly elite all-around defenseman. He's shown in the past that he can be. He's had a rough season this year, a particularly rough season this year, not a great season last year. Um, but if he's unhappy in Philadelphia and he feels, you know, whatever he's feeling, what better place for him to come than a place with a, a big cohort of Russian players that can hopefully put him at ease. And, you know, it's it's tough to deny that Barbashev and Buchnevich and, and even Tarasenko are all having phenomenal seasons this year on are all becoming fast friends. Um that, you know, is obviously that's not a very statistical argument to say, oh, put him with Russians, he'll be better. But I do think you can't you can't undervalue or can't under, you know, you can't ignore how important it is to feel comfortable with your teammates and to have friends and, and guys that you can really relate to in the dressing room. And um, obviously there's no other team, as we talked about last time, there's only the Blues and Capitals that have as many Russian players as we do. So um, bringing Provorov here from that angle makes a lot of sense. But I also just think if 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 you're looking at Bill Armstrong trading Jacob Chikrin in a position where he doesn't really have to make a trade and he knows our organization like the back of his hand and will know exactly what players he wants and doesn't want and will know exactly what arguments to make to Doug Armstrong, Trading Jacob Chikrin is going to be trading for Jacob Chikrin is going to be really hard and it's going to be really expensive. And I don't think Ivan Provorov is going to come cheap. Um, but if you look at Chuck Fletcher's, Chuck Fletcher's track record, he's a garbage GM. He just is. He's mismanaged every team he's been on. Um, he's got mediocre results his entire career and he makes bad trades routinely. And if he's in a position where he's decided he wants Provorov out of there, especially if the player's pressuring him to make a move um, and the Blues come calling and have an offer that's decent but not amazing, but it's enough for them to take it, I think I just think that's about a negotiating situation. I know, you know, I know that that may not be everybody's choice, that may not be everybody's preference, but to me, I would make Provorov uh, priority number one. Um, because I just think he's he's the best. I think Jacob Chikrin next to Ivan Provorov at their best, I'd probably take Provorov. Um, Provorov, I think, has more room to rebound and more room to improve. He's got higher draft capital. He's, you know, a potential top-tier uh, defenseman. And I think to bring him in and put him with, Pareko or even with Falk and make that the number one pairing, that's probably your best chance at um, stabilizing the defense in any meaningful way. And then you kind of go from there. He's a little more expensive per year, a fair, fair amount more expensive than Chikrin. I believe Chikrin's in the high fours and, and uh, Provorov's in the low sixes, but that's another tool you can use um, to, you know, kind of negotiate with Fletcher and say, hey, we're taking this guy on a bad season on a deal that's relatively expensive versus anybody else that we can get. And 
um, you know, this is, this is why you have to cut us a better deal than what you're offering. So I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think, I, I personally don't think Ivan Provorov or Jacob Chikrin will be blues before the deadline. I would be relatively surprised if either of them moved um, before the deadline. I, I just get the feeling that Arizona, especially with the win streak it's been on right now, there's, there's just no rush to trade Jacob Chikrin. And unless somebody blows them out of the water uh, with an incredible offer, I just, I don't see why Bill Armstrong wouldn't. He's done a lot of deals this summer and he's made a lot of moves. And I think he's, he's doing an incredible job with rebuilding a crappy team in a, in a crappy situation. Um, but there's just no, like, to me, there's no reason to rush um, with Chikrin in particular because he's not going anywhere. He's not getting any, you know, more expensive. He's not, you know, he's not getting any worse. Um, so I just, we'll see. Certainly I could be completely wrong. And, and if a team comes in and blows him out of the water, he'll take it and he'll make the deal. But I just think, I, in my opinion, you aren't going to see those guys moved before the deadline. Um, I don't know, moving kind of more broadly, I don't know what the Blues do at the deadline. They're a tough team to read. They've been linked to every defenseman out there. Obviously, there's a need there, and if they want to compete in the playoffs, they've got to pretty much add somebody um, to bolster that defense, even if it's not the kind of like high-end guys that you're thinking about, even if it's somebody down the lineup to eat more minutes, you know, alongside Bortuzzo or, um, you know, more of a kind of a Travis Sanheim's another name that's out here there, like more of a kind of true stay-at-home defenseman, but one who is responsible and kind of the necessary foil to the players that uh, he has around him here. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see what the Blues do because it's hard to predict right now. They've been... Today's game was great. Um, the Rangers game was great. Before that, they were losing four in a row and three of those in embarrassing fashions to really bad teams. They've got a tough stretch of their schedule coming up. Um, the trade deadline is uh, coming very quickly. Let me look on the actual date there. NHL trade deadline is March 21st. So that's a week from Monday. It's an interesting time as a Blues fan. They don't have any cap space whatsoever unless um, a Buchnevich or, or Sunquist or someone goes on LTIR, which, you know, everybody else is doing it. So um, normally that's not a, an okay justifica- justification for doing bad things. Kids, don't tell your parents. Don't, don't tell them. Don't, don't use that. Don't say the two guys one cup podcast told you that everyone else is doing it as an okay excuse uh, for bad behavior. I mean, I don't care about it, but it's not good behavior. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I, if, if there's an LTIR, LTIR game that you can play, play it, obviously. Otherwise, I think you're going to have to send some money out or a Scandella or, you know, even a, even a, Sunquist or someone um, who costs you a little bit uh, for, you know, any any relief, any help on defense, you're going to have to send somebody out that evens things out a little bit on the salary cap side. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't be 
I wouldn't be shocked still, and I know people are going to think this is crazy, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be blown away to see Armstrong trade Huso. If there's if somebody really comes for Huso and says this is the guy we want, there are a bunch of teams right now who want goalies, and the goalie market isn't very good. If somebody decides that Huso's their guy and swings at you with a first round pick, I don't think I don't. I just don't see how you can't take that. I, I don't see how you can turn that down. Um, I know that, you know, if the team wants to be competitive this season, I know everyone thinks Huso's their best bet. But he's, again, my opinion, he's coming back down to earth. That doesn't mean he's a bad goalie. It doesn't even mean he's not still hotter than Bennington. But um, Bennington's looked better in recent games. And... <laughs> I know I keep coming back to it, but this this team's not beaten the Colorado Avalanche this year, in my opinion. And if that if that's what you have to do to escape and go deep into the playoffs, then I don't think they are going deep into the playoffs this season. Um, and <clears throat> that's kind of that's kind of that, in my opinion, like. You just don't want to make some move that's going to cost you. You don't want to make any move or not make any move in Huso's case that's going to cost you severely for the long term just to have a shot at the second round. I just don't think that's good, smart negotiating, especially once again, when you're looking at a team that has a clear younger core forming. You've got these guys, Thomas and Kairou, and then even Buchnevich and Barbashev, these younger guys who are stepping into huge roles. Um, Perunovic, if you hang on to him, uh, if he can get healthy, you know, I just don't, it doesn't make sense to be very focused on going all in this year. If the team is going to stay inconsistent, if they're going to be, you know, I have to face Colorado in the second round. I just don't think, (laughs) I don't think it's going to look pretty. And I don't think. I don't think you need to give yourself an edge over the Wild or, or Nashville either. Like if those are, if right now if it shakes out where it's Colorado, St. Louis, Minnesota, and Nashville, we'd play Minnesota. I think we can beat Minnesota in a seven-game series. I'm not guaranteeing that we would, but I don't know if one defenseman is going to change that um, anyway. May, you know, maybe he does, but it's just a situation to me where don't take big swings for marginal improvements. If it's kind of that old 5% argument um, that uh, Doug Armstrong infamously made when we traded for Ryan Miller, if he believes that, I don't think that there's a 5% out there that makes us able to survive the, um, the uh, avalanche in a seven game series or the flames for that matter. Um, You know, much less any of the teams that would come out of the Eastern Conference if we did get to the Stanley Cup final. We're a pretty good team, um, but I think we're a tier below the best teams in this division, in this um, league. And to me, I would push the brakes on anything major at the deadline unless it's going to change your team dramatically for the future um, or, you know, it just really is too good to pass up. So, That's kind of my trade deadline thoughts. That's my thoughts for the future of the team um, in terms of, you know, not the future, but the long-term health of, of, or the long-term importance of Thomas and Cairo. Uh, The schedule's tough coming up. We've lost Perunovic probably for the end of the season. Buknevich's situation is, um, 
worrisome for sure. I don't, I'm just double checking that he didn't come back today because I don't think he did. Um, Wow, that is a crappy tweet from a Rangers fan. Anyway, um, I just, there's some concerns about those injuries, but hopefully Buchnevich is back in time. That's the big one that you can't afford to lose. But the other two, uh, you know, or Perunovic, as much as I love him and want to see him thrive with the team, he's not in a place right now where losing him costs you a ton, other than that it makes gives you no alternative for Marco Scandella, who... Uh, is really bad, and they need to move away from as quickly as they can. So um, <clears throat> that's kind of all I've got. My throat is dry. I've talked for 30 minutes. Um, there's stuff to go do in Hawaii, and I, I love all you guys, but not that much. Um, not to sit inside and talk to an empty room for hours on end while I'm in Hawaii. So I'll kind of cut it off there. Um, but it's an interesting time to be a Blues fan, and I'm really excited to see what happens in the upcoming weeks because, um, yeah, I, I think I think they're in a good place. I hope they ride the momentum from today and uh, really, uh, really take it up a notch and kind of go on a streak here. But if they don't, then that's kind of also good information to have ahead of the trade deadline because if you can't get motivated and, and get hot after a game like today – then you're probably just not an elite level team and, and should be treated as such. So it's a very important juncture in the season. That's why I thought I'd record a quick podcast, but I have some pineapple to eat and a sore throat to nurse or dry throat, scratchy throat after talking to all you people. I'm not sick. I don't have COVID. I'm just, I'm just, you know, parched. Um, but that'll do it for me. Hope you enjoyed this. If you're still listening, I appreciate your dedication. You're wonderful people. Uh, I will talk to you soon. And as they say down here in the islands, uh, goodbye, because they also speak English here because it is a United States state. So uh, see you later, everybody. And we'll talk real soon. Congratulate Ian uh, and his soon-to-be bride, Arlene, on the Twitters, or if you have their phone number, which you shouldn't because he's very guarded about those sorts of things. Uh, just, you know, on Monday, Monday at four is the ceremony. So uh, they will be wedded by five local times. So, you know, 10 central time. Give them a shout out. Say hello. Say congrats. Uh, and the next time you uh, speak to us, he will be a married man. And that'll be very exciting. So uh, we will see you then. Go Blues. We'll hope it's a good week for the team and talk to you later. Round, round, get around, I get around, yeah, get around, round, round, I get around, I get around.